We all came together on the ridge overlooking the watering hole as the sun set on another day. This they call the sundowner. There were three or four vehicles which was carrying different safari guests. And at the top of the ridge, they had set up a table with drinks and snacks. We all came together to give thanks for another beautiful day here on Safari. Welcome to Passports and Postcards, where we discuss everything travel. From cultural inspirations to exciting destinations and everything in between. With your host, Randall McKeown. Shakudu was so different from the state in Hamala. It was a lot more modern. With concrete housing, a great main lodge. But... Then still, dinner was served in a boma. And what a boma is, is an enclosure usually designed to protect people from the outside, which could be wild animals. In the center of the boma was a fire pit. And on each dinner table was a kerosene lamp. For dinner, you had to get up from your table and go over to where the food was being served. The food was delicious. It was maybe not typical food that I would be eating at home, but here, here on the safari, here in Africa, you eat because this is all part of the experience. We had uh, arrived at Shakudu late, spent uh, maybe 10 11 hours on the road, or more. Now, I wouldn't give up any of that experience. If you had to listen to the last podcast, I went into some of the areas. Some of the things we saw on the way to Shikudu Game Reserve. So when we got there, it was dark out, of course, and we approached the main lodge, and we were checked in, and we were told that we would be staying and unit number three. So looking at how everything was laid out, we thought that was pretty close. Although we found out that it was not that close, that the numbers went from highest to lowest. So as we were escorted to our room, I was a little bit discouraged. And then on our way back, we were being led back by the, I guess she's the manager. Her name was Carmen. And I was really upset, you know, upset for the fact, well, one, I was still sick from the trip, so I was not feeling myself. And I was concerned about my wife, Kelly, who, if you've listened to podcasts, understand that on this trip, 
she had severe mobility issues. I wouldn't say severe, but she had mobility issues. And walking was difficult for her. So I was a little outraged that the tour company in North America did not put on our file that she had this difficulty. But she was a trooper. And, you know, to be honest with you, I was more worried about how she would get around than she was. And she was able to maneuver quite well. But I did lose my cool and with an outburst uh, directed towards Carmen, who I found out basically runs the place. But uh, at dinner, I did see her sitting off in a corner and I felt really bad. So I decided to get up and go over and, and apologize for my, my behavior and try to explain things out. And as Carmen said, you know, she can only do what's on the file. So there was nothing on the file. There was nothing she could do. We had a, a nice dinner that first night, and of course, taking our electric operator, battery operated, I call them lanterns with us, not the kerosene ones, but the battery or electric operated. Because again, load shedding, and if you've listened to my earlier podcast, you know what load shedding is, but I will get into it here a little bit. This is where the government decides to shut down the power hours at a time, several times during the day and the night. And how did this affect me, you might ask? Well, I use a CPAP machine that operates with power. So it always seemed that the power would go off at 3 a.m. And when the power off, my machine not working, I was wide awake. Although I knew I had to get up at 5 a.m. anyways to get ready for the sunrise safari at 6 Getting up at 3 a.m. was a little difficult. The only good thing about it is that we knew about load shedding, so we did get to bed earlier than we normally do. So I was in bed maybe 9, 30, 10 o'clock, where normally, normally back home, I'm up until 11, 11.30, even closer to midnight, even though I have to get up at 10 to 7 in the morning. Before you go out on safari, they do offer coffee and rust. Rush is just like a dry bread. I tried not to drink the coffee because I did not know where my next bathroom would be. And in most cases, it would probably be out there in the wilderness, behind a bush or a tree, not knowing what might be lurking nearby. So I didn't want to have to have that happen. So I passed on the coffee and the rust, and maybe I think I had a coffee when I got back. When we did get back after safari, and i got to tell you, the safari was excellent. Some of the animals that we saw, the impalas, elephants, giraffes, rhinos, um, hippos. Uh, we saw a male lion sort of relaxing or catching some shade underneath uh, a tree near the watering hole. Uh, it was a very excellent experience. First time I've seen a male that close. I did see one earlier on our trip when we were down near Cape Town, but this one was really close to us. And uh, I was able to get some really good pictures of it. We rode on uh, the Sunrise Safari for a couple hours, and then we returned back to the main lodge where 
uh, we all got back. So there's two or three vehicles going out with about, I would say, six to nine passengers. So we all came back. We'd have our lunch, and this was not in the Boma as we had our dinner. This was just like in a little uh, eating area that was sort of open to the elements but still covered by a roof. So we had some protection. And lunch was excellent. I've got to say that I did not have an issue with any of the meals. In the afternoon, we had a Lunch around, I think it was around 3 or just before 3. And then we went out on an evening or sunset safari. And Dave, our driver, did a most excellent job providing us an experience. Uh, Not to say that uh, Tandy at um, Hamala did not do the same. Actually, Tandy did probably the best job out of all when it came to taking us out and exploring. We may not have seen as many animals in Hamala as we have seen so far here in Shikudu, but the experiences, although different, are experiences I'll always remember. You know, Dave would stop along the way. He would show us footprints. He could tell us what direction the animals were moving in. And it was very, very interesting just getting that information. I know uh, Dave talked a lot about trying to get back to, I do believe it was New Zealand where he's originally from. However, Australia, New Zealand, if you've been out of the country for a while and you're trying to repatriate yourself, it's very difficult as he's finding out. I wish Dave all the best. He wants to go home. So... On uh, on the Monday, so this would have been, I would say, October 3rd, uh, we had to get up early just like we would for any any morning uh, safari drive. But this time, we were being picked up by different drivers and different vehicles, and we were heading to Kruger National Park. It was about a uh, 45-50-minute drive just to get to the park. But I must say... Having an opportunity to spend the whole day at Kruger National Park was something special. We spent a lot of time around the watering hole, and there, when we first got there, was baboons. They were just sitting around, at least the adults were. The kids were sort of, young ones were all over the place, and the young ones were chasing the impalas away from the water. This went on for a bit, but then we noticed a few elephants come into the area, and next thing I know, there was a fair-sized herd that had come in, and they were uh, thirsty, and a few of them wanted to uh, take a mud bath. We'll get into that in a minute. But anyway, so the elephants made their way over to the watering hole, and the baboons, <laughs> yeah, those baboons, they were running. They were running pretty fast. And uh, they got out of the way, and as the elephants took a stance at the watering hole, I guess the impalas felt safe enough to actually come back to the watering hole. So there was a combination of elephants and impala at the watering hole. And I did notice a water buffalo, you know, laying 
so deep in the mud that all you could see was the horns on top of the head sticking out of the mud, at least from the angle we were at. And then I guess it was a mother and a baby elephant decided it was their turn to use the mud. So they came over and they chased they chased away the uh, water buffalo. Well, water buffalo didn't move that fast, but got up, shook itself off, walked over. And that's sort of when we realized that um, there's a little bit of um, nature in action. And what that was is there was two lioness, lionesses, female lions, let me get that right, female lions, who were using some of the bushes and uh, trees and stuff to hunt the water buffalo. Water buffalo didn't seem too concerned because there was, like I said, the elephants were around, the impala were around, and there was, I think, four or five water buffalo, and there was only two lions that were hunting. So as we seen the lions make their retreat, uh, our driver decided to try to follow them. And as we did, we went up on a ridge, and there we saw a lioness with looking after all the cubs, I guess it was. There was about five or six cubs, and they were quite young. They were very cute to see, just as you imagine, cute and cuddly, but we didn't get that close to them. I tried to take as many pictures as I could, but for their sake and for our safety, our driver kept a fair distance from them. But we were able to see how it looked like the two lines were plotting how they were going to do this hunt of the water buffalo. I don't think they were going to succeed. I could see that the water buffalo didn't seem too concerned about these two lions. And it's weird because as we heard from our driver, you know, these lions, they hunt for and provide food for the group. And we're not sure, I'm not sure what the male line does. Um, so that was interesting just to watch, and I didn't see the male line from that group. We spent a lot of time in the area, and uh, we did have lunch. We went to a place called Satara Camp, which is on the reserve or on the park in the, in the Kruger National Park. And we met up with the other Jeep. And funny thing, in the morning, as we were loading up, uh, my wife wanted to sit in the front seat of the Jeep. So I went to jump in the back. But by the time I got to that vehicle, all the seats were full. So I had to jump into another vehicle. So my wife and I had totally different experiences while at Kruger. But we did meet up at lunch, and we went to Satara Camp. And we had a nice lunch there. And then we made our way we were, you know, trying to hunt for that elusive leopard. Um, and we were all hoping. But with the leopard being a nocturnal animal, during the day it'd probably be resting in the high grasses or somewhere up on a branch in a tree. And it made it very difficult for us to find. So, But we did try. We, Our driver was in communication with other people that were out there in Kruger National Park and trying to get sort of a hit to where this leopard might be found. We really wanted to see it. You know, you always want to see the big five when you're in Africa. Unfortunately, this was very elusive, and we did not catch any glimpse of it at all. I was going to take a picture of a little plastic one and sort of like 
put it in the scenery and do something with my camera to make it look like I saw one. But no, that would not be right. I did not see it, so therefore I did not have a picture of it. I do have, took over 7,000 photos, not, not including the ones I took with my cell phone, so there was a lot more than that, which uh, we know will make for a great time editing once I return back to Canada. But as I said, we were looking for that leopard. We spent a lot of time in the park, and it took us a long time to get back to Shikudu Game Reserve. And some people had already gone for dinner. My wife was waiting for me, and right after we arrived, we went and joined our American friends at table, and we had our dinner. And that would have been, I would say... Between seven and eight, maybe even later. But that extra time that we spent at Kruger was well worth it. I had a great time and was able to see a lot different animals than I had already on this uh, safari, the one safari we did down near Cape Town, and then what we did at, um, at Hamala, and what we've seen here at Shikudu. So being at Kroger, it was something that was a highlight of our trip. You know, these trips come and go. It's very interesting. You know, I, you might have heard in my other podcast that we've been planning this since 2016. We actually booked it in 2016, and we're going to take the trip in 2018. However, medical reasons, we could not do it in 2018. So we were able to push it ahead to 2020. Everybody knows what happened in 2020. So the tour company was nice enough to allow us to extend it. And our final time that we could actually take it would be September of 2022. We did, and I'm glad we did. So we, we started this trip. We flew to Amsterdam Spent a few days in Amsterdam, in around the area. We actually stayed in a place called Zandam, which is just north of Amsterdam, and made our way into the city a couple of times. And then we flew, spent a week in Cape Town, which I talk about in my earlier podcast, what we did in Cape Town. And then this lovely trip up here, just north of Johannesburg. So we go on safari and see, yes, we're seeing these animals on a reserve that's fenced in, is for their own protection. We sure wouldn't want them roaming out on the roads and be struck down by vehicles. But uh, I really, I'll be, I, I'm always honest, but I always like to say that phrase. I want to, I want to be honest. I was really worried about taking this trip because, again, my, I said my wife had mobility issues. Her her knee's pretty wonky, and she's got to go for knee surgery. So I was really concerned about that, more concerned than she was. Um, and I really, I don't know if I was really in the mood to go traveling. You know, it's been a while since we've been in lockdown, and this was our first big trip since, well, my first big trip since, since 2019. But everything worked out. There was a few hiccups along the way, but for the most part, it was a good trip. I would highly recommend that you 
book a trip to go somewhere in Africa. You know, they call it motherland. It's the oldest continent, full of history. Maybe we came from Africa. We don't know. I just know that I had a great time. Even though I was sicker than a dog, I would have had a much better time if I was not sick. But you can't control when you get sick. You just have to deal with it. So that's going to be the end of this podcast, the series, I guess if you want to call it that, talking about my trip to South Africa. Every day that I look at these photos that I've taken or I'm working on editing, I feel like I need to go back. And if I go back, I'd like to go back just to go on safari. So go up near Kruger National Park and try to spend, you know, two weeks, three weeks, just as much time as we can on safari and photograph the animals that I can. It's like any time you go on vacation. You you want to show these photos to your friends and family. Their eyes rolled in the back of their head and they, or they nod off. They're really not that interested. There are some that are a little jealous, and I don't know why they're jealous. You know, we all have, especially the people I know, they have time and they have money, but they choose to use it for different things. So I may not have the greatest of everything, but I have experiences. And I have loads of photos. You know, I'm still working on editing those photos. I've already uh, produced a calendar that I gave out to family over the holidays as presents. I've created a couple of books. One is sort of a look-see book, which is, you know, 20 pages of most of the photos, but they're very small. Then I put together a larger-scale book. I think there's 60 pages in there. And I tried my best to include the best photos at the best size for your viewing. I will be working on another book, but this one is going to be a combination of pictures and words. This, I think, will be the final book I do on on Africa, at least about this trip. If I do get a chance to go on another one in the future, I'll work on my, my next book. But I like to share. So if you have an opportunity, I am uh, my books, uh, Randall McEwen, available on Amazon.com, and uh, it's the only reason why they're not available on Amazon.ca is because I use a company called Blurb, and Blurb, when I moved it from Blurb to be sold there, it automatically went to Amazon.com. So when I, I search myself on .ca, my podcasts are there, my other books are there, but my photo books are not, so they are available on Amazon.com. And if you want to wait, Hold out until I get the one with the words and the photos printed. It's going to be a large format. So it will be there. It'll be there. And you too can dream like I did before about going to Africa. You could live through my photos and dream. I don't want you just to dream. I want you actually to plan a trip. Plan a trip to Africa. Get there before things really change. So thanks for listening. I will be back again with uh, more episodes of Passports and Postcards, looking at trying to get some more guests on the show. We can talk about passion of travel, different travel destinations, and we'll go from there. So have a good night. 
Have a good day wherever you are. Thanks again. Bye-bye.